Amen. Well, hey guys. My name is Sydney. I get to serve as the young adult pastor here at the Vista. Um, but tonight we have a special guest coming to speak to us named Nate. And he is a member of our church and has pretty recently um, followed uh, the Spirit's leading in getting his um, spiritual director's license. Is that the way you say it? certificate. And I'm not going to try and explain what that is because he can do that a lot better, but he's going to come and talk to us about prayer tonight. And if you're new to the table and aren't sure how things work, um, you figured it out so far, but we have someone who comes and speaks, brings the word, the message, and then we do some table discussions throughout that time. So you're not just having to sit and listen to someone the whole time. We want you to engage and learn from each other. Um, and this is also a little taste of what small group is like. And so if you really enjoy it, um, we'd encourage you to get involved in a small group, which Abigail and her team will talk more about later. But let's give it up for Nate. All right. Well, good evening. This is really close. It's like my dream of uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to be uh, in a band. I mean, I was in a band with some high school friends, but uh, it was like playing stadiums and playing when I was like, well, the crowd's right here. Okay. Very different. Yes, I'm Nate Hansen. I'm a spiritual director, uh, and I put my contact information up there. Uh, it'll be at the, on the screen at the end as well. I have a website for my spiritual direction ministry, and my email's on there. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, my background first, very briefly, uh, talk a little bit briefly about spiritual direction, what that is, and then we'll get into our topic of, of prayer. Uh, and I, my hope is, my prayer is uh, that what we do tonight, uh, through what I share, through what y'all discuss, um, you will leave encouraged uh, and empowered to, to grow closer to the Lord. Uh, so spiritual director... Um, is a kind of interesting position in that there are certain roles within churches that are very recognizable. Uh, for example, a pastor, right? And different types of pastors, senior pastor, youth pastor, you know, community pastor, small group pastor, right? You can go on these things. You can think about other helping roles, you know, that are maybe found within a church, but also not always within a church, like a chaplain, right? Of course, if you get into the helping professions more broadly, like my wife is, a, is an LPC, a licensed professional counselor. She's a therapist. Uh, and then, of course, you have people who do life coaching. Um, you have people who do psychotherapy. You have social work, right? All these kind of helping fields. In spiritual direction, I have a uh, definition that I wrote because in my program that I did for two years, we all had to write our own, what we called our elevator speech. Like, what's spiritual direction to us in like a paragraph? And so I wrote this. A spiritual director walks alongside people, meeting with them on a regular basis, actively listening to their stories and asking thoughtful questions, helping them to better discern the ways in which God is at work in their lives. A spiritual director doesn't offer therapy, life coaching, or pastoral counseling. Rather, a spiritual director offers the gift of his or her attentive presence in the life of a fellow seeker of God. Ultimately, however, the Holy Spirit is the true director. So when I meet with directees, as we call them in the, in, in the field, uh, it's usually about a 50-minute session, and most of the time I am listening. I might ask a lot of open-ended questions throughout, 
And it's really to help the person see like where God is at right now in their lives, where God has been at work, and also most importantly too, where God might be leading them. Like, like what's next or this adjustment or this change, what have you. And so it's fairly common too for spiritual directors to not just do that, but they might give talks like this. Uh, sometimes spiritual directors lead retreats and I do that as well. I led one for the Vista Men back in the fall, Rule of Life retreat. There's a couple guys here that went to that. I'm leading another retreat at uh, Cedar Break, which is a retreat center just here in Temple uh, at the end of June, doing a, uh, writing your spiritual journey, so helping people uh, write about their spiritual journeys, because I used to be an English professor, uh, so I am no longer. But I wanted to begin this evening um, before we get into our topic, and my, my plan is to share some things, but have time for you to talk, so it'll be kind of like back and forth kind of a thing. But I'd like to begin with this opening prayer. Um, if we could stand, I know Jordan just asked you to all sit. <laughs> um, this is the oldest prayer um, outside of, of Scripture, outside of the New Testament, that still is in use today. Uh, it goes back to about the third or fourth century. So I have to look on here. <laughs> so it's called the Phos Hilaron, which is just the Greek for like gracious light. It says, O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed. Now, as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Amen. You can have a seat. Uh, now that's a prayer that my family and I use several times a week. Uh, my kids are 13 and 10, uh, and we started incorporating it into our evening prayer, uh, partly for the sake of just wanting them to have some connection to the body of Christ historically, <laughs> not just here at Vista, but like across time, right? So when Jordan was saying like, we're, the angels are singing with us and also of course the saints that have gone before us, <laughs> right? Who are enjoying the presence of God are also a part of that. So my topic for tonight, I've just called it some thoughts on prayer for the 21st century. I have four points that I'm gonna go through. Uh, and I wanna, make three cautionary statements first, <laughs> which is first, don't view, you know, like the prayer we just prayed. Um, we're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. Um, any kind of prayer, any method of prayer uh, as a kind of magic formula. Okay. There can be a real temptation to do that. In other words, it, it, as this, it guarantees that something will happen and the thing that I want to happen will happen if I just do this thing, okay? So we don't want to go that, we don't want to think that way. Secondly, there's a real temptation in the discipline of prayer, in the discipline of reading scripture, uh, dis other spiritual disciplines, like if someone fasts for a while or other kind of spiritual practices, to make the spiritual practice your functional God. In other words, I treat my prayer time right, as the thing that I go to and 
it's got to happen the way I want it, on my time. God, please don't show up because I've got this time I've got to work on, right? Right. And those of you that have maybe a regular rhythm, you know what happens if it gets interrupted. <laughs> maybe a little panic, a little tension, a little friction, like, oh, no. And, and you almost think, like, kind of irrationally, like, oh, I didn't do my morning prayer, now my day is just going to go to hell. I'm like, no, that's just ridiculous, right? But our brain goes there. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Right, right. So I want to be careful not to make the spiritual discipline, the prayer, like an idol <laughs> onto itself. It's a means by which we connect with the Lord, and the Lord communicates to us. And thirdly, the other caution I want to give you as we get started is be a, beware of the comparison game. Now, we're going to be spending time talking at tables and sharing things. But there's also a danger at times when someone else is sharing about their prayer life or how it is reading scripture for them or they have quiet time or they go on some retreat or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, man, if I could just prayed like so-and-so or if I just, you know what I'm talking about, right? right? But the Lord is walking with each of us individually, right? And the ways we interact with God and the ways that we respond to God are distinct as each one of us in this room are distinct. Okay, so we don't want to fall into the trap. You know, like social media brings us to the forefront, right? <laughs> right, we don't want to go into the comparison game, okay? Because that's a dangerous road to go down, right? To think that, oh, if I just prayed like so-and-so prayed, then like, eh, tap the brakes there. Okay, so the first, uh, some questions that I'm going to give us a couple minutes, maybe five minutes or so we'll take to talk about, and then I'll have, ask some of y'all to share, okay? Um, basically, there's, there's three, ways, uh, three ways of thinking about this. Um, what are your prayer practices, habits, disciplines, or when and where do you pray? Or for what and for whom do you pray? These are different ways of saying the same basic thing. One of these questions might hit you a little bit more than another one, and that's fine. What I'm wanting us to do to start with with our time is to have you talk amongst yourselves, like, what, is prayer like look, what does prayer look like for you right now? What are the rhythms of that? Whatever that might mean, okay? We'll give you a little time to talk about that ask for some responses, and then we'll get into our discussion. Does that sound good? Okay, so discuss. And I will turn my mic off, and they'll put house music on in the background. And I'll leave those questions up here for us. All right. Could we have a couple of volunteers to run microphones so we can hear from a couple of folks? It would be great, because I heard... I was just kind of saying in one place, looking at my notes, but I was hearing people sharing different things, and I'd love to, to hear some of what you had to share. Like, don't everybody raise your hand at once. It's quite rude. <laughs> May I come give the mic to somebody? All right, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord bless you. that has helped my intentionality. Mm. Um, like we talked about when you say, 
I'm going to pray for you or I'll pray for you. You kind of get distracted with life. And so um, I have a lot of like different index cards about certain things. And it's the first thing I see um, in the morning when I wake up. And so even if it's just like a brief mentioning like people's names and stuff, it still keeps that um, accountability and intentionality behind it. So That's great. Thank you for sharing. Somebody else, please. Hi, thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, So for me, prayer is just kind of like, I invite the Lord into my thoughts and sometimes I'm like, God, this is what I'm thinking. I don't know, like if this is um, of you, but give me clarity. Um, Typically I'm like praying over a specific word or fruit of the spirit, um, like example, wisdom, like God, what is wise? Like I'm asking God questions to show me and reveal me, um, his truth. So it's kind of just throughout the day conversations. Okay. A couple more folks, please. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Hi. Uh, so we were talking about the, um, all the prompts. Um, it seems a couple of us will, have prayer journals, right? They'll write it down. Um, we'll also, uh, some of us will pray in the car. Um, I personally, will, uh, I just pray whenever I think of it. I'm trying to get into more routine, but I'll just kind of, when I think, oh, I need to pray today, I'll, I'll say a prayer and it'll just be kind of whatever's on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of all over the place in terms of routines. Okay. And that's to be expected, yeah. <laughs> right? That even just a couple examples that were shared, like very different approaches. Maybe one or two more? Hey, we got someone up here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I also pray in the car, so nice. That's a good one. Uh, a lot of us around the table here, we're like kind of talking about like reflecting on the day, ending the day in like prayer, just like taking what we went through the day and just also remembering others, praying for others too. So, yeah. Okay. All right, one more. Let's pick up one more. I do know some names of people, so I could always call on them. No, I wouldn't. So when I ask someone if I can pray for them, I just pray for them right then and there. And mm. that's something like growing up, that was just such a comfort when someone prayed over me, like in the moment. So I've been really trying to put that into practice, whether it's strangers, friends, family. And I really feel like a lot of people have seen the fruit from that in their lives. Okay, that's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, for the for what and for whom do you pray, uh, for me anyway, a lot of what I pray for is uh, guidance or whenever people are asking me to pray for them, going through and praying. And so a lot of my prayers are a lot more sporadic. It's really about uh, basically having that conversation, uh, feeling that relationship with God. But that's what it's mainly been for me lately. It's just a lot of guidance, a lot of praying for other people, especially whenever they're hurting or sad or just need that comfort. And so that's basically how I go through and interact with it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And and by the way, those three questions are good questions to ask yourself once in a while. For those of you that are the journaler types, right, or even just jotting it down and kind of pondering it. Um, And 
I'll talk about this towards the end of my time, but your prayer life will change, or it should change. I'll get more into that. So the first big idea that I want to talk about, thought number one, there are four thoughts. Well, there's more than four thoughts, but <laughs> is that prayer is formational. There's a forming that's going on in prayer in all the ways that were mentioned. Shared aloud with, via the microphone and also at your tables. Prayer is forming us. But when I say that prayer is formational, are we doing the forming? No, it's a trick question, right? No, the Lord is doing the forming in us, right? We are the participant, right? But God is doing the forming in us. So, so I always find it funny when someone describes a, a, something as being self-transformational, and I'm like, uh, I don't think you have that power, right? I think only the Lord does to transform us. And so this wonderful quote from Brian Zons, he was here for a prayer school three years ago, and he says that the primary purpose of prayer is not to tell God what we think God ought to do, but rather to be properly formed. And I think for a lot of us maybe growing up, we viewed prayer as like telling God, like, please do this, please don't do that. Please make this happen. You know, please protect this person or please, you know, all these requests. I really like this statement by Robert Mulholland. He wrote a great book. Um, if, if you're looking for kind of information about like the spiritual journey or just like growing in your faith, he has a wonderful book called Invitation to a Journey, which basically walks you through kind of like stages of the Christian life. But he wrote that we tend to think of prayer as something we do in order to produce the results we believe are needed, or rather to get God to produce the results. As a result, our prayer tends to be a shopping list of things to be accomplished, an attempt to manipulate the symptoms of our lives without really entering into a deep, vital, transforming relationship with God. Now, obviously, praying for other people is a good thing. <laughs> Right? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a list of, you know, having a board, right, where you have prayer requests. Or you mentioned over there about praying for people right when they ask for prayer, like immediately, instead of just doing, yes, I'll pray for you, but no, I'll actually do it right now. Right? Like that sends a message to the other person, a powerful message. And so, you know, we are being formed. When I say prayer is formational, we are being formed in and through prayer. Why? not just to become a better prayer, right? That's not the point. The point of any spiritual discipline, whether it's prayer, whether it's Bible reading, whether it's fasting, whether it's whatever it is, should ultimately lead us to the motto of our church, to love God and love people. Otherwise, there's no point, right? If, if my prayer life does not make me more loving to my wife, to my children, to my neighbors, it's really not doing a whole lot, right? Likewise with Bible reading, <laughs> same thing, right? Um, and so we have maybe sometimes received prayers that we pray, you know, like I pray the Fos Hilleron or we pray, pray the Lord's Prayer, right? Prayers that are already vetted, if you will, across time and space. 
So for me, one of the things I use is the Book of Common Prayer. I use it almost every day. I love it because there's just so much in there. Because sometimes, I, I mean, I'm a former English professor, and I read some of these prayers in there, and they just, they stir my heart for the Lord. And I don't have to think about what to say. I could just rest, lean into those words that have already been spoken and are still powerful, right? Um, and we probably have rhythms of prayer in our lives. And so the kind of four ways that we can talk about prayer, and I heard some of it in what was shared, is the old ACTS acronym, A-C-T-S, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? Any of these can be a grounding for prayer, just individually, right, or as a group, right? Adoration, right, where we praise God for who God is. Confession, right, where we acknowledge our faults, our sinfulness, our brokenness before the Lord or with other people, right? Which is difficult to do, of course. Prayers of thanksgiving, right? At the end of the day, it was mentioned, I think you said praying at the end of the day, right? right? And that's an ancient practice, by the way, called the examine, but I won't, I won't get into that tonight. But there's a practice in which at the end of the day, you go through the day, kind of reverse chronology, and thank God for where you saw him working. And then, of course, supplication, right? Which is like asking, right? For yourself, for the people, right? Those are all good approaches. Actually, the uh, mystic from the 14th century, uh, Meister Eckhart, said that if a person only prayed prayers of thanksgiving or gratitude, that's the only kind of prayer they ever prayed, that would be enough. Because if you think about it, that could cover a lot of ground in your life. <laughs> From the seemingly big things to the seemingly small things. Right? It's all gift. Okay. So the second big idea, and this was already touched on in some of what people shared, and even as I was hearing you share, is that prayer is relational. <laughs> right? Prayer is relational. Right? We say, in, especially in evangelical circles, right? like, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, well, okay, so what do we mean when we say that, right? So I want you to, this is a little thought experiment. I want you to think of a time when you were with someone, another person, family member, significant other, whatever it might be, good friend, where you're just with that person and you're not speaking, but you're just with that person. Got an image in your mind? Got a memory? Again, where there's no conversation, but you're just with that person. Is that a waste of time? But you're not talking. Why isn't it a waste of time? You're spending time with them? Brings comfort. Brings comfort? It's intentionality. You're just happy to be with the other person and nothing needs to be said. My wife and I are approaching our 21st anniversary in June, one month. Yeah. And I'm guessing I might be the person in the room who's been married the longest. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Okay. My wife and I are both 
quiet people. I know you wouldn't think that because I'm talking to a room full of people, but quite honestly, we, our idea of a good date is to like go somewhere, have a meal, have a little conversation, and then go to Target and walk in different parts. <laughs> That's how two introverts go on a date. Um, but no, I mean, we're together, and sometimes like vacation or riding in the car, like nothing is said. But there's a depth there that I could not express in words, if that makes sense, without being too cheesy. Like, what's been said has been said. Right? I am just happy to be with her. Or when my kids were really little and they would have trouble going down for their naps. And sometimes I would like take one, you know, put them on my chest. And they're just like wriggling around. And they finally fall asleep, thank God, right? And I'm just sitting there. I'm not doing anything, right? But here's my son at the time, you know, 12 months old, just conked out, drooling all over my shirt. And I'm not doing anything productive, but I have certain memories of that that'll probably go with me until my brain just finally fizzles out at the end of my life, right? Like some of those moments where nothing was going on but there is a deep communion, right? So prayer is relational. So prayer doesn't always have to involve words. It often does, it doesn't have to, right? Because if you have a memory of yourself as a young child, and maybe you're with a babysitter, an older relative, a sibling, a parent, where you're being like held by them or they're with you, and you're like, there's no place else I would rather be. You know that, right? That's deep, intimate communion, right, with that person. And so sometimes our prayer involves words. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it involves silence. You ever been with somebody who's grieving I say this as a spiritual director, as someone who's married to a therapist, often the best thing you can do is just be there. And don't try to give them a bunch of platitudes. Like all the kind of stuff that you hear people say, God needed another angel. No, don't say that. You don't need to say that. Right? Just be with them. Just be with them. Right? Now, we obviously need prayer by ourselves. As some of you shared, you're sharing kind of individual prayers, right? This is what I do by myself, right? Or if I pray for somebody in their presence, obviously that's going on. Or you pray in a big group, like we just did. I would submit to you that we need both. You don't want to put all the eggs in the basket of, like, I'm only going to pray with other people, like in my small group, at church, et cetera, et cetera. Or I'm only going to do that by myself, in my own little kind of holy huddle by myself. Like, we need both, right? We need both. Because anyway, there is nowhere we can go where God is not. I mean, can you go anywhere where God is not? No. <laughs> right? If he is omnipresent. And so think about that. When we bring him our request, he's also omniscient, all-knowing. So it's not like we're surprising him. And so your comment about just saying, like, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Like, yeah. Yes, he knows it, but he wants to hear you 
express that in whatever way you want to do that. Or if you don't even know how to express it, just be. All right? And so if we think about it, when we pray individually, as a group like this, we are joining in with the communion of the saints, right? The Apostles' Creed talks about, I believe in the communion of the saints. What does that mean? It means those who've gone before us, who are already in the presence of the Lord, they are interceding on our behalf. And don't get, I'm like, whoa, that's all weird. But think about it, right? If they're with the Lord, surely. Jesus is already interceding on our behalf, right? Paul's letters talk about how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we have, don't know what to say. So surely those believers that have gone before us are probably praying on our behalf and we're joining in with them. I would submit to you that the church is the one institution that transcends time and space. And that's something that I remind myself of when I feel isolated. Like, God feels distant. I can remind myself, like, I am not the first Christian who's had this experience. And not even in the here and now, (laughs) throughout all of Christian history. And I really like this uh, statement from Teresa of Avila. She's a Carmelite nun in the 16th century Spanish. She says that prayer is nothing else than an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. Just like those people, those loved ones in our lives. It's no different in that regard. Like You're just with them. Right? And anyway, God's disposition towards us is already one, I mean, we celebrated Easter like six weeks ago. And Good Friday, what is the image of Good Friday? Is Christ on the cross crucified? Arms outstretched. What is God's posture towards us? Extended arms. Bottomless love towards us, right? So the next point here, thought number three, is that it matters what we do with our bodies while we pray. Because we are not brains on a stick. We are embodied beings. We operate in three-dimensional time and space. Right? And so we're not just like thinking thoughts about God. We're like, we do things with our bodies. So for me, one of the things I like to use is a prayer rope. This is common in the Greek Orthodox Church. This prayer rope has 50 beads. You can get one that has like 30 or 100 or whatever. I got it from an Etsy store, a woman in Greece who makes these. I like it because it's something tactile I can hold on to. And for me, sometimes I'll pray the Jesus prayer, which is just simply, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then I just, as I move across each bead, I silently say that or I might whisper it. But also I sometimes use it at the end of the day when I lie in bed at night 
and I hold this, and what I do is I work my way back through the day, like just silently kind of thanking God for things from the day, and I end up falling asleep that way. Now, I'm not saying like you have to do this, right? Remember my cautions. I'm saying that for me, I have found it to be helpful. It might come a point in my spiritual journey where this no longer is, and if that's the case, I will let it go. Because whatever my prayer methods or practices, I want to have open hands. I don't want to say, God, no, this is the way I will pray God for the rest of my life, and you will not tell me otherwise. Like, I don't want to do that, right? I want to be open because we grow and we change across time. Another thing I like to use sometimes, because I like art, is an icon. Common in the Orthodox Church. This one is Christ, he's holding the scripture and he's making the sign of peace. An icon is not an idol. An icon is a window. In other words, when I look at this, I keep it by my desk in my office. When I look at this, the idea being I look through it. So in uh, Colossians, first chapter, kind of a famous passage in Paul's letter to the Colossians, he says that Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I think it's 115. The Greek there is he is the icon of the invisible God. In other words, when Christ dwells flesh, and blood and body on earth. He's, an, he's a window in like, what is God like? Look at Jesus, right? And so for me, looking at this can be helpful. If at some point it isn't helpful, I'll probably just set it aside. I'm not gonna worry about it. But all that to say, for me, I have found some physical things to be helpful. Okay, so here's our next discussion. So what do you do with your body when you pray. And let me say at the outset before I set you free to discuss this, obviously there's a lot of things you can do or not do. Do you speak aloud? Do you not? Do you fold your hands? How do you fold your hands? Do you stand? Do you kneel? Do you sit in an easy chair? Do you lie in bed? And I would submit to you that what you do with your body when you pray or don't do shapes your prayer. Have you ever tried to pray in a very comfy recliner? You know how this goes. If you pray kneeling, that changes your prayer. Maybe speeds it up, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, this is different. Like, this is doing something to me physiologically in terms of how I'm thinking about God. Okay, so let's take a couple minutes. I'd like at your tables. Just talk about what do you do with your body when you pray? Close your eyes, open your eyes. Okay. All right, could we uh, hear some uh, responses from y'all? Like what, uh, what do you do or not do um, with your body when, when, when you pray? whatever that might look like, or not look like. We just recognize that when you're praying with others and holding their hands is very powerful. 
and allows you to feel more connected with those you're praying with and just feel in the love of God through others. Good. Should I stand up? I stand up. You don't have to. I mean, you can. Um, what I do with my body when I pray, uh, I tend to try to decompress it because I know that, especially in our generation, we have so much distractions in front of us that it's kind of hard to leave all that stuff away because when I do pray, like either bigger things that are pretty intense or small things that are kind of minuscule, I always try to keep quiet and trying to let him guide me instead of me trying to, I, it's kind of a metaphor I use, I don't try to drive the car, I try to take the back seat or the passenger seat and watch him. So the next time I'm up facing this, you know, different situation or whatever, I know how to handle it instead of kind of, kind of hawking it up and like, yo, I don't know what to do, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It seems like a common thing at our table was when it's a, like deeper or like more powerful prayer we're on our knees and that we feel the Holy Spirit stronger. But I, we're just trying to figure out like why it's that. Like why does it have to be a big prayer to be on our knees and not just like any prayer can be on our knees? It's a fair, a fair question, yeah. A couple more? Um, just praying through a bunch of thoughts throughout the day, especially at work, but sometimes I'm not saying them out loud. It's more of like seeking the Lord in my head because um, I either can't say it out loud because I have students in front of me. Half the time it's about them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the mornings, I'll be like sitting crisscross applesauce on my bed or something and kind of like what Abigail was saying of like if it's something that's really heavy or I'm really passionate about or something I really care about or someone that I really care about, I'm usually like face down on my knees on the floor um, and I don't know it's just a different like if it means more to me then I put more into it I guess so okay. yeah good anybody else I'll share oh go ahead you, Dusty do you want to share no I want Dusty to share <laughs> um, hey I don't know why everyone says hey so I'm saying hey <laughs> Hey. hey, Nate. Um, no, I was telling my table that um, something I learned in college was a really unconventional way of praying that I hadn't heard of before, which is praying with your eyes open. Um, so I was telling our table that a lot of my small group have probably noticed it when we're on sitting together on a Sunday that when Jordan starts to pray or during our time at the end, um, instead of bowing my head and closing my eyes, I look forward and have my eyes open and I look around as whoever is praying is praying um, and it mm -hmm. has a lot to do with the communion of saints it's yeah. I find it really beautiful to look around and see all of the heads bowed and eyes closed um, and I find that encouraging to know that we are praying together as a church body um, and so I tend to find that just a really beautiful way to pray and so I do it often especially on Sundays at church that's cool was going to say that um, one thing that I just think about when I'm thinking about my physical body and what I'm doing, I'm more so not thinking of 
the physical and I'm more so trying to spiritually align myself with what's going on. And kind of something that Dusty said that we were talking about at our table was the fact that when we are, when you grow up in church, you kind of are um, given this, um, like Dusty said, close your eyes and bow your head. Like that's something that we've all like probably, if, if you grew up in church, that's something that you've probably heard. Um, but something that I have been doing, which is also something that I'm trying to kind of pick apart, is the fact that like I kind of like physically with my body, I feel like I look up because I was also conditioned to believe that the Lord was this like magical being in the sky, which is also like not technically true. But like that's kind of what what my body does is I feel like I like have open hands and I like want to receive whatever the Lord has for me in that prayer. And like, I just like feel like I also do not close my eyes and I just like look up. So I feel like if you've ever seen me in, in the middle of like prayer time and you see me like this, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, straight up to the Father on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and I would say too, like being open to, to doing, trying different things. Um, in, in prayer, whether that's the things we do with our body. Um, you know, for me, some, for a season in my life when my kids were very, very young, my prayer time that worked best for me in that time in my life was praying in the car on the way to my job because my kids were three and a half and, you know, like a baby. So having 15 minutes at home was either going to happen in the evening when I was like, my wife and I are just going to crash because we're just exhausted or... Early in the morning, no, but when I'm getting in the car, and then it's like, but that's different now. I don't really do that so much anymore. So I think also something else I would say is beyond the kind of physical actions or things you do or don't do or, um, is honor the rhythms of your body. Like if you, if it takes you, if you're one of these people, when you get up, it takes about an hour or two before you feel fully awake as you go, like probably rolling out of bed and going on your knees is probably not the best option for you. I say this as a morning person because I tried to do that. And finally, my, my own spiritual director said, well, Nate, why are you trying to do this? He's like, do the rest of your morning routine. And then when you're fully alert, then I do think there's something about giving God our best times. And you know when those are, right? So every thought or feeling is a valid entry into prayer. And what's important is that we pray what's inside of us, whatever that is, and not what we think God would like to see inside of us. We're not fooling him anyway. So we might as well just be just like you would be with someone you're close to, right? And that's going to require vulnerability, honesty, and like Jude Austin said on Sunday, a defenselessness, right? That I am just vulnerable in that way. So fourth thought, your prayer life, thought number four, your prayer life should change and grow as you grow and change. If you're praying the same way that you were praying 10 years ago, something probably needs to shift. Now, just because you have been doing something for a while doesn't necessarily mean it's problematic. 
right? But again, as I said in my beginning about cautions, you don't want to cling too tightly to something you've been doing for a while, like, God, you will take this prayer method from my cold, dead hands before I give it up. Like, you don't want to have that disposition towards the Lord, right? If it's feeling dry, if you're feeling like this is just not for me anymore, let it go. I used to be the type of person in my prayer with God one-on-one who just jabbered at God for 15 minutes every day. And some of you are like, that kind of makes sense given the way you're talking. Now, I say very little in my personal time of prayer. And that's been a draw for me kind of ever since COVID happened and I was more at home. I felt this continual draw into silence. And at first I was like, what in the world is this? And I asked my spiritual director and, he's like, and I'm like, does this count as prayer? <laughs> like, don't I have to like say stuff and ask for stuff? And like, no, not always, no. And so for me in the mornings, a lot of it is just being still. For me, eyes closed usually and holding my prayer rope. And I'm just being. Other times in the day, I might be praying with other people, praying for other people, thanking God for this or that as I go about my day. But there's definitely a, a type of my day where I'm quiet and just still. And I didn't imagine myself doing that 20 years ago, I will tell you that. Because God is a God of surprise and disguise, and he will, as my spiritual director would say, and you will be surprised throughout your spiritual journey. And ultimately, prayer, as Thomas Keating says, should make you prayerful. Like, the goal of prayer, right, is to make us more attentive to God's presence in our lives. And of course, to love God and to love those immediately around us. Right? Because what is God calling each of us to do every day? To be attentive to his presence as we go through our days and be attentive to the unmet need that is immediately adjacent to us as we go through our day. So the, uh, you mentioned praying for your kids. I can't remember your name. You shared about praying for your... Yeah, yeah right? So they're right there. You're not praying about... And again, I don't use this example to, to belittle it. Okay, so please understand. You're not sitting there with those students there and praying about the war in Ukraine at that moment. Now, obviously, that is something we should pray for, absolutely. But in that immediate moment, right, you are right there with those kids. Right? And so our prayer should help us be attentive to those immediate needs. Right? It's like I said before, if my own prayer life doesn't make me more loving to my wife and to my kids, it's not working. <laughs> okay? So these two questions I want to leave you with to ponder and to think about just in the interest of time, which is it'd be helpful for you to think about how has your prayer life changed over time for you just to do some self-reflection, think about, you know, after this, and also what might you feel led to do differently, not just to change it up for the sake of changing it up, but just what do you feel drawn toward and often if you're feeling drawn towards something, it probably means there's going to be a letting go. 
of something else. You know? So for me, moving into more silent prayer means letting go of some of the jabbering at God. So what I want to do in the brief time that we have left is walk you through a type of prayer practice called imaginative prayer. And I'm using the text that we'll use is, um, I mean, we just, I don't know if you're aware, but Sunday is Pentecost, which of course we commemorate the Holy Spirit descending on the apostles. And then Peter preaches this sermon and like, what is it, 3,000 people get converted? Like, right, it's pretty amazing. Okay. Imaginative prayer is a way of kind of, as it, as it might suggest, putting yourself in the scene of what's going on is kind of letting yourself rest in that. And so um, I'm going to read this passage from the book of Acts twice. The first time, just let you hear it. It's not a very lengthy passage. And the second time I'll read it and I'll kind of pause and ask you some questions to help you kind of enter, your, enter into the scene. Okay. And if the questions, some of them might be more helpful for you than others, depending upon the way you visualize or imagine things. And some of you, as I'm describing this, you're freaking out. You're like, I don't, this is, sounds really weirdo to me. It's okay. Okay. And then when we're done, um, we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Okay. And then I'll turn it back over to Sydney for kind of last... So I'm going to actually just briefly pray, and then I'll read the passage. And I, I guess I would encourage you, when I read the passage from Acts both times, I mean, you could certainly, it's probably best to, to keep your eyes closed, I guess I would say, so you can just not be distracted. But ultimately, you want to pray from where you are and not from where you think you should be, as Thomas Keating says. <laughs> Right. So when you think about after this, you go home, you talk with people, you're like, oh, I want to do like 25 new things in my prayer life. Don't do that. It's, it's kind of like January 1st, right? You don't want to be like, I'm going to have 25 goals for this new year. Like, no, don't do that, right? Maybe you just feel led to make a little adjustment or something like that. That's okay. So let me pray, and then we'll read this passage, and we'll kind of enter in. Gracious God. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, um, that you are relational, that you desire communion with us. We thank you that we are in your presence even now. I pray that as I read these words from Holy Scripture, that you would open all of our eyes to help us to see what it is you want us to see in this story of our faith and that you would open our hearts to be willing to go where you would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. 
No, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. What does that room in the house look like in your mind's eye? Are they seated around tables? The apostles seated on the floor? What does that scene look like? Have they just had a meal? Are there smells from what they just eaten? And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Does dust blow in through the windows? Does anything stir on the table or on the floor? Does it blow the hair of the men who are gathered? What does that sound like in that moment? And divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. What does that look like in that moment? How do the apostles look at each other? Are they shocked, amazed, confused? What are the expressions on their faces? And then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. What did that sound like? Can you make out any words as you hear them all speaking in different languages? Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered. What does that scene look like? They're gathering around this house. They're hearing these different languages. They're hearing this rushing of wind. Because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each, amazed and astonished. They asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, 
Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. What does that crowd scene look like? Is it just a cacophony of noise? All these different languages? But people are amazed, it says. And they're perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And then you notice on the side, some who maybe have their arms crossed, who sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. Let's stand together and say the prayer that our Lord and Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you.